This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Taurus, Makers of the Raging Hunter Handgun. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Double Nickel Taxidermy. Now here's your host, Larry Wysu. Welcome to another edition of DSC's Campfires. David Fox, thank you so much for the introduction and so very honored and proud and pleased to have Mr. Brandon Houston back with me this morning. And it is morning that we're doing this. We just finished a deer hunt, passed up several nice young bucks looking for a big old mature cull buck. It kind of put in appearance but didn't stay very long. And that's one of the things that uh, if you visit a lot with Hayden Outdoors, those guys are real estate agents and they'll find you the finest piece of property you'll ever can even imagine or help you sell your property. But they're also very knowledgeable in terms of wildlife management. And as a result of that, uh, they can give you a lot of advice too as to if you're into a whitetail deer program as to what you can do to improve your habitat. And also what you can do as far as hunting is concerned those guys know their business and then they know the right people to call too if they have questions that they can't answer for you and, and uh, they're really good about doing those kind of things and, and I mentioned that because Brandon and I have H3 Whitetail Solutions among other things that we do together and it's been our pleasure to work with guys like uh, oh Phil Phillips and, and uh, his wife Karen and, and 
they too are both agents of uh, Hayden Outdoors. And if you want to learn more about them and some of the other areas that they have, of course, they're here in Texas and Colorado, but uh, they can tell you a lot. And you can also go to HaydenOutdoors.com to, uh, to learn more about what kind of properties they have and, and where they're available and they'll tell you right up front whether or not if it's something that you ought to have a serious look at or whether you need to be looking for something else. Brandon, as I mentioned, welcome to the podcast this morning, coming back from the uh, sitting outside here on the property that we lease in Sterling County, Texas. We're sitting outside of an old stone building that was put here by the Calvary probably back in the 1860s or somewhere along and through there. Kind of an interesting spot, isn't it? Well, Larry, thank you again for having me. I absolutely love getting to share this time with you and, and record these podcasts and the conversations we have are always wonderful. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless. <laughs> I am sitting up against a water pipe with a, a, a Calvary bunkhouse to my right that is, is taking me back to my childhood. I feel like I'm in a scene of uh, Dances with Wolves. It almost looks <laughs> exactly much. like Kevin Costner's little bunkhouse. And it's got the little shooting holes and the old old uh, wood-framed uh, windows and, I, and the etching of the people that have been here. And it's just, it's the most amazing thing. It makes me think about what this country looked like back in those days and, you know, what it was like to sleep in there and, and you know, defend this defend this country. And, and it's just absolutely stunning. It's breathtaking, honestly. It, it is. The country's changed a little bit over the years. It's many years of overgrazing. We now have a fair amount of cedar and more mesquite than we did probably way back then, or juniper, if you will. And and uh, But beyond that, it still looks very similar to probably what it looked like in a lot of different ways. You kind of glance around on the hills, and you can almost imagine Quanta Parker's <laughs> Comanches coming down through here, headed down toward the Gulf of Mexico and on a raid that they did every year. And, and then there were a bunch of Apaches and a bunch of banditos a little bit later on, too, that had to be kind of taken care of every once in a while. And this little outpost here, there, there's obviously water here somewhere, too. And we hadn't really had a chance to look around a whole lot, but I suspect that there was some kind of water source here fairly close by, probably a, a seep or a spring. And that probably means, too, that long before this building was built out of uh, hand hewn rocks is what they are but long before it was built there's probably a campground here for some of the the people that lived here long before the uh, the, the white guys started coming over this way <laughs> well I could just sit here now you said when you made that comment <laughs> about the Apaches and the Comanches coming over these ridges I'm sitting there looking at these ridges and and I'm thinking what it must have been like to see that, to watch that, look at it, you know, especially with, you know, all this juniper that's scattered through here and some of these big, beautiful bull mesquites, you know, I wonder if some of them are probably still standing when oh, yeah. when there was a, an old lever action 44 long colt sticking out that little <laughs> hole right there. But <laughs> it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's to, to think about that. I can't, you know, I can't get my mind off of it. I mean, we're supposed to be talking about deer hunting here, but... 
But you know, we're in Texas history right now. <laughs> you know what? To me, that's a big part of, of the deer hunting that we get to do, and we get to go on some of these absolutely fantastic ranches, such as this one here. Just it borders the town of Sterling City, and years ago when I was a biologist worked this area for a little bit for TPWD. Uh, we did census lines out here, and that was that was nearly a lifetime ago. Now I'm back out here hunting, and we got you out here, and we didn't even know about this little building here back way back then. And it, one of these days we're going to come back there. But this place is very interesting in that it's kind of a mesa country with it drops off into deep canyons and then it kind of slopes to the southwest to flatland that looks like uh, South Texas, the brush country of South Texas. So a lot of different habitat types. But one of the things that we want to do later on during the winter time is come back out here and crawl in the, to the heads of some of these canyons. I've got a feeling that most of these canyons at one time, there was a water source there. Uh, the water table over everywhere in the U.S. and particularly it seems like it's been lowered considerably because of the great number of people utilizing water a whole lot more so and a whole lot differently than they did when this little building here was built when it was primarily used for, for drinking, cooking and occasional bath, you know, kind of thing. So they didn't water any lawns or anything. But all that being said, the water table has been reduced and lowered a lot over the last many years. So some of these areas that now are dry probably way back when there was a water source there and so one of the things coming back here is finding some of those maybe crawling in one of the little caves and just kind of see kind of what's there but that's part of that's part of hunting that i truly truly enjoy as well along with all the other things that you do well until you think about what it took for them to travel this country you know the, the other day you and i did it on a side by side you know but to think about what it took for them to travel this country and find that water source and that's how they made their decision of where they were going to build Absolutely. an outpost like this but you know to speak on what you said earlier this country is absolutely stunning i mean it looks like you took south texas deep west texas and new mexico and threw it in a blender and just <laughs> and here here you go sterling city i mean you can you can drive 500 yards one way and feel like you're in New Mexico and turn and drive 200 yards the opposite direction and feel like you're in a brush country in South Texas. And it is it, it is truly an integrate. I've we've looked at plants just a little bit, not a whole lot this trip. We'll get a little bit more serious about that next time. But the, the plants that we're we're seeing, the ones that are obvious, you know, they're from three to four or five different uh, ecological type zones, if you will, and ecological areas. And to me, that's one of the beauties of this area is that it's, it's an integrate. You're getting a little bit of everything. And of course, the deer population here, based upon what we've seen the last couple of days as well. And then we had done a spotlight, couple of spotlight surveys a little bit earlier and, and uh, found that we had a pretty good uh, buck to doe ratio and not quite one to one, but not it was closer to one to one than it was two to one. I mean, two does for every buck. And two, coming into this year, in so much of Texas and elsewhere, we have had just a very serious drought. And what kind of fawn crop have we been seeing? My Lord. <laughs> you know, taking it back to water. You know, there's not a tremendous amount of water in this no, country. No. And so a lot of it is artificial for cattle and for the sheep that are in this country. And and so we have 
gone away from the stands, gone away from the feeders, and and sat predominantly this entire week around water. Right. And my Lord, I mean, we're, you're talking, we're seeing in a two-hour time frame, 50, 60 does, and every one of them have a fawn with them. <laughs> and, and, they, and, and a fawn that is healthy. Absolutely. And it, this is in a year when I came here, this first year on this lease, but I came here with suspecting that we might have a 10 to 15 percent fawn crop based upon the kind of weather we've had and the lack of rainfall and the, the drought situation. But one of the things that speaks well for this particular ranch is that they've carried on a good management program for a long period of time with whitetail deer in mind, but also their cattle operations are such that they have this, this property has not been truly overgrazed since apparently they've gotten, they got a hold of it a bunch of years ago. And as a result of that, when you throw all those things into the mix, I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with the fact that they've got a lot of, we've got a lot of funds. And then of course too, the, uh, the, the owners here are carry on a very decent, uh, predator control program as well too. And so when you kick all those things together, uh, there's probably the reason that we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, they've done a tremendous amount, especially as big as this place is, a tremendous amount of habitat work. I mean, just standing right here, what we're looking at, you, you know, they've done a lot of bulldozer work. There's a bunch of different secessional levels and stages. Absolutely. You know, we were where we were yesterday. You could see, you know, young junipers coming in amongst rows of, of, of uh, mature mesquites. Um the cactus is kind of spotty. You know, the prickly pear is not too terribly overgrown, um, but they've stayed on top of it. And oh, they have. And, of course, in this country, in a lot of places, people overlook the fact how good prickly pear is for wildlife, mm -hmm. particularly with deer, because it produces moisture at times when things are really tough. The tunas are the fruit that produces are one of the few sources for car carbohydrates and, and uh, sugar, if you will, and, and a decent amount of protein in those tunas. And then the prickly pear that we have here in Texas and pretty much where you have cactus is usually pretty high in vitamin A and that helps in the digestibility of, of the various natural proteins that you find here in the plants. So, and the mesquite beans. And the mesquite beans. I mean, they're the mesquite, a lot of people curse them, but they're a legume, so they fix nitrogen in the soil. And if you're ever around where there's mesquite trees and, and you're not familiar with them, look around, you'll notice that there's a lot more things growing underneath the mesquite a lot of times than just beyond the uh, the, the drip line. And a part of that comes in the fact because there is a natural nitrogen source there for them. But uh, as you mentioned, the, the beans are... And in, in, in a bad year, when you have, it looks like it's going to be a bad year for that's Mother Nature's way, I guess, of putting out a tremendous bean crop to ensure that that species perpetuates in the future. But yeah, I mean, those mesquite beans in themselves, they're about nine per 10 percent protein. But the importance of them is, is the, the sugar and the, the carbohydrates, the energy that's there that can be gotten from the pulp around the outside of it. Well, when we, when we were sitting on the on one of those ponds the other day, you know, I had all the does and those fawns coming in. If they weren't drinking, 
he noticed they were drifting their cells to the left. There were two big mesquite trees right oh, yeah. there, and that was where the green grass was, and that's where they were feeding on those succ that succulent new growth of grass that's around those big mesquites. And and if they weren't feeding there and they weren't watering, we weren't seeing them. <laughs> but how these pockets, you know, the pockets of deer that we have seen have been in those areas where there's a heavy amount of mesquite, a heavy amount of prickly pear, just like this. I guess you call it that north corner down there. Right. Um, you know, it, it seemed like every five foot we were jumping up big groups with does and a lot of fawns. And and it's it's that's where they were. That's where they're growing. That's where they're getting those those natural resources. Yeah, that, and that brings up an interesting source of, of hunting information, too, is that you want to go where the food sources are. Not that that's not a, a well-known fact you know among hunters but sometimes there are little micro setups like that that you have to kind of look for that you go well this, you know there's mesquite everywhere where where is there mesquite that's got the beans or or in you know maybe you're in a oak forest and it's mostly red oaks but you got a few white oaks you know those deer are going to drift to those white oaks because their acorns are quote-unquote sweeter they're like less tannic acid in those than some of the others but you got to find sometimes those little micro food natural food plots if you will <laughs> well you know and especially here in texas you know everybody gets so used to hunting out a feeder i want to sit in the box blind i want to hunt around a feeder but i do not believe that we would have seen what we've seen this week had we hunted a feeder no no, we, no I, not, I, not in terms of numbers but no that, that goes to to speak on what you were just talking about you know you go onto a piece of property like that whether it's leased or you own it or you're going out on a hunt if you have the ability to know okay the one predominant thing in this country out here is a lack of water right take me to the water absolutely that's where the animals are going to be it's the lifeline and and because of that we have seen a tremendous amount of animals and you know we, we've hunted around a couple feeders um i think what two times this week right and, and I was the whole time I was going take me back to water. <laughs> the, the beauty of the water thing is too is there's something going on the entire time. That with the water hole we sat on the other afternoon, the, the uh, scissor tail, uh, <laughs> whatever they are, this, we call them scissor tails. Trying to remember what their scientific name is, I can't. But they were dive dive bombing down to the water, grabbing a mouthful and going back up and and maybe catching an insect or something in in the uh the uh, the process of it but just again it goes sitting at that water hole not only do we see deer i'll let you describe a couple of the deer that you saw that stuck your nose right away <laughs> in the water but you know I, to me i enjoy watching the birds too and we had like a little scarlet tanager absolutely beautiful reddish looking bird that you find out in this part of the country that just were hanging around that water hole morning does were coming in and going out kind of thing um, there are a few turkeys in here in this area we did not see any turkeys right now but most of those are moving down to the to the river for their winter roost area and then here where we are there we're just off of the, the river a little way and during the springtime those turkeys will be back in here to nest but otherwise they probably would have been here in the springtime they'd have probably been around the water hole as well too but those scissor tail fly catchers were just absolutely fabulous to watch and then again the deer were eating too they were they were looking in the water weren't they i forgot about that i i made a comment that if they weren't drinking they were underneath those mesquites eating that grass and that was a lie there was one of the place they were eating but before i say that I, I have always said one of the most gracious and peaceful things to ever watch is a whitetail drink water 
I don't know what it is, but it's just, it has a way of calming you. But anyways, we watched this doe come in and bury her head under the water up to her ears and come up. And every time she'd come up, and she was holding her breath for quite a while. Oh, yeah. She'd come up, that nose would be green, and she was eating that green algae. She was eating that green that green grass underneath that uh, um, that water, but it was just neat watching her. I think she could hold her breath longer than me. <laughs> I think she could, too. I've watched moose do the same thing. Of course, moose have got a much longer muzzle as well, too, to reach down a little bit deeper. But she was totally up to her ears, and she'd stay in that, keep that position for a long time. Uh, Again, I think deer, too, learn to adapt. Obviously, that green algae that was there, and there may be a little with the water being relatively clear and not very deep. There was probably some green vegetation growing down there, too, that she really liked. I know I've I've watched them on my little place do something similar, although we have a plant called Thotomagetan, which produces a really good seed for waterfowl, and they will eat the daylights out of it, but it sits more on top of the water. But I've seen them in chest-deep water, out there eating that dead gum photo of getting as well too yeah it's a uh, if you do not or have not ever just sat down by a water hole i encourage you to do it i oh, encourage man. everybody to do it, it you know you, you never know what's going to come to a water hole and at some point especially if you're in country like this some they're going to go to that water you're probably not going to sit there too terribly long and be bored twiddling your thumb. No, no, no. Even when it's like it right now, we're just in the beginning of October. And, and because we have the managed land permit here on this property, we can hunt. And that's what we were here for. The primary goal, I guess, was to be here and shoot a doe or two with, with handguns. And uh, we were able to accomplish that. We did. We were able to accomplish that. And I think we got a good spectrum of does. You know, I think the one you took was every bit of eight and a half years old. Her teeth were worn down to absolutely the gum line mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, you could tell she was not in the very best of body condition. But something I noticed years ago, I shot a few old, old does. And it turned out that the, the venison, I would have thought, prior to would be just as stringy tough as it can be and yet when uh, we started eating the meat from some of those does that were a little bit stressed and were really old it was really tender even more tender than some of the younger things that I've shot and thinking this ought to be good but yeah and you, the one that you shot was like a three and a half year old mm-hmm. doe and, and of course she was a little bit better in body condition and a little bit better in terms of overall appearance kind of thing and uh meaning that her hair coat had already started really starting to put on her winter coat and the one that I shot she was kind of a little bit of winter a little bit of summer and a little bit of old a little bit of new kind of thing but uh, but still uh, absolutely fantastic animals that we were using the Taurus raging hunter in a 454 capsule shooting Hornady's 300 grain XTP bullets which uh, we played around with the range a little bit shot extremely accurately there and of course they shot extremely accurately as well too at the animals and did a uh, fair amount of tissue damage they, they really did and that was part of the reason I wanted to see what would I shot mine through the shoulders essentially and it did a lot of damage I lost a little bit of meat but uh, at the same time uh, you know there are other critters who will eat that beside me and that kind of becomes important as well too but uh, 
I was really impressed with the, it's been a long time. I've, I've shot a fair amount of stuff with the 454 using the Hornady ammo. And, and again, need to mention too, that we're using a, a Trigicon SRO red dot sight that is a uh, two inch MOA. And simply that means it, at a hundred yards, that little dot that you use, the red dot covers two inches of the space of that frame. but. You got to shoot the Casula a little bit, and then we shot uh, the 44 Mag using the same sight system, but also Hornady's 240 grain XTP that that you hunt with a fair amount now. Yeah, you know, I, you've gotten me hooked on it, and it is so fun to wh- whether whether you're target shooting or you're actually out hunting, it's just fun, and that's what I like about it. It's it's just a good time. But but you know, prior to coming out here. I've spent a lot of time on a ranch up in Breckenridge and, and, and done a lot of hog hunting with it. And, right. and, and I have, I have tried to shoot them high, shoot them low, shoot them, you know, right. different places, you know, especially once you get into, you know, the, some of those bigger hogs that have, you know, the big, the big plate in their oh, shoulder. Oh, that big cartilaginous shield. And I have never had a bullet not pass through. Yeah. It's, it's actually absolutely incredible. The velocity that that bullet has you know, a Hornady bullet has go, coming out of that that uh, pistol and, and hitting that animal. Yeah, yeah, their downrange energy is good, and that bullet construction. It, I've, I've shot all kinds of things with it over the years. Everything from elk on down to black bear to uh, shot a Alaskan brown bear years ago with the 454 Casul and and using cord 300 grain Hornady XDP and I mean it put that bear shot it through the shoulders. Long story, crawling up for days and days. One of the toughest hunts I've ever done. Finally got within about 75 yards of a bear. I could not get any more. I could not go anymore. I mean, we we started hunting that bear early that morning, going up and down. And long, long, long story. And finally shot the bear and shot it through both shoulders, and it just did a total flip. Ended up on his feet, and I shot it twice more, very quickly, as quickly as I could shoot that. The uh, uh, <laughs> just sitting here talking yeah, about this, and here, here comes three doe at the water. We're yeah, sitting there right they now. They could care less about our presence. Wow. <laughs> anyway, shot finally ended up killing that bear, but that first shot and all three of those shots, it totally penetrated. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking this morning that in all likelihood, these deer were probably watering and coming to, to, uh, to moving a little bit more toward midday and mid morning. And very obviously the, the case right here <laughs> yeah, and you know the thing the thing too that i forgot to mention was you know how important managing energy is with whitetail oh yes and, and you know with both of those deer that we harvested one being eight one being three you know there's not a tremendous amount of fat on these animals no, no. and, and to, to if you take that information and then you take the um, the fawn crop and the recruitment has been incredible. That's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty good thing. You know, normally you don't see a recruitment up to that high when you have almost no energy source no, for I these mean, deer. Whatever, whatever feed is here. And like I said, we have not really dwelled into the vegetation at this point. And they're doing no supplemental feeding. No, there's no supplemental feeding of any kind of here. There is across the highway, and they use a uh, feed formula basically that we developed through Los Cazadores years ago and through a lot of work with ADM and Mormon Mineral. And and they do some supplemental feeding, and, and their deer over there, we're visiting with, uh, with one of the 
the owners on the property and he goes, you know, we're going to have some 200 class deer over there this year. And it's primarily because of what they've done in the past as far as supplemental feeding with that particular ration, but then also with uh, some of the cotton seed. And that's something that we may take a serious look at here as well, too. Um, cotton seed is very high in nitrogen, very high in fats and oils. And so... And we learned a long time ago through the research that we did through Texas A&M and ADM and Mormon Mineral with different deer across the state, state of Texas, but also different deer across the nation, that energy was really, really important and probably as important as what the protein level is. So the, the cotton seed is one of those things that uh, is relatively available. Uh, yeah, deer can get hooked on it and some deer may eat too much of it, but for the most part, deer are pretty finicky eaters. They'll eat a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I think that's one of those things we're going to have to take a serious look at <laughs> yeah, in the future here. Brandon's over here acting like he's trying to shoot this doe with a rifle or a pistol that's out there about 100 yards and yeah. kind of just walking around here going, why, guys, are you around the water hole? Get the heck out of there so well, I can get them, some water. One of them's not too terribly worried. So she, can't, she said, nope, I'm, I'm going to water. I don't care about them guys sitting yeah. over there. <laughs> No, but I agree. I think if, you know, even if you could increase the fat content on these animals, yeah. it would help. It would help, with, you know, the transfer of these nutrients within their system. And, and the fawn recruitment is already so good. I couldn't imagine what would happen. And, you know, it's just like that little buck we saw this morning. You know, if you could put a little bit more fat on him and oh, he, he threw the horns he threw in a bad year, a drought year. If you could increase his fat content, increase the, his energy you know, because, with you know, the energy, a bad energy can derail any good nutritional plan oh, very yeah. quickly. But if you could make those steps to increase that energy source, increase that fat, it would be great to see what some of these bucks would do. And, and it'd be great to see what, what some of these does would do as well. Yeah, I know that we put some weight on them. That's, again, what you get a chance to visit with group of hunters that's on this property and it's it's a relatively small number and these guys have been here for 12 15 years now and so they they know this ranch really well and they've taken some really nice deer off this property in terms of antlers and you know down the way maybe we'll see if we can't do set up maybe one or two pastures out of this ranch and do a little bit of supplementation in terms of cotton seed there because the, the, the rainfall here is not consistent enough to where you can really do any food plots uh we, there's a little bit of low country and yeah we could do some plantings maybe but really kind of hit or miss with regardless of what you plan in and whether or not you're going to get anything to come up or stay up so simply because the, the lack of rainfall that happens here yeah, well, the only field around here is a is a totally irrigated field anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so you you know that, and and when you drive down these roads, you don't see very many of them. No, 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 no. You can you can actually tell which ranchers probably have got a lot of oil and gas income, yeah. or now have a tremendous income off the. Uh, the huge Turbines. windmills that are like scattered here on this ranch, kind of thing, and. and even though they don't look very pretty and I'd rather not they be there they're very important to that rancher being able to hang on to this property and not subdivide it and not sell it off in you know in 100 acre blocks or 20 acre blocks and and so you know there's some things you just have to kind of live with and with me it's, it's now I have to learn how to live with the windmills that we have here <laughs> well and I think too you know I agree with that I think that's what keeps this country so special is a lot of it is owned by the same family for generations oh, yeah. and generations and and you know it's unfortunate because if this was sold 
where we're standing right now, the guy who buys it, he may not care anything about that. And the next thing yeah. you know, he bulldozes yeah, it's Texas history. Old, it, there's some old building out there that's yeah. in the way. or Like and, I said, every one of these blocks of, of, of limestone is pan-heating. And so there was a tremendous work that went into them. And somebody could look at that and go, well, shoot, that looked good in my backyard. I think I'll just build me a, you know, a barbecue pit out of it or, or place for an outdoor kitchen. Yeah, and, you, and, and some of them. And it's it's just like a jigsaw puzzle. It's all, they all fit perfectly. And you could oh, tell somebody spent some time. Uh, they, they did. And I, you know, I love how they, they, they've got a, that big slab right there at the doorway when you right. walk in. I mean, it was just, they, they knew exactly every single stone put in there, I, I believe, was was uh, hand-hewn exactly yes. for it. You know, you look yes. up at those, going up the roof line right there, it's double-layered. It, that thing's not going anywhere. Well, no, it it's, it's, like a, it's like it is a double-layered inside and outside. I got a feeling the inside between those two layers is probably ground up limestone kind of mixed with something else made to form kind of like a, a concrete type of thing but uh, and then the mortar that they use you can tell it it was made from something many many years ago that it's not anything like the mortar that people use these days i'd love to take a, a metal detector around this there's probably some some old case or shell casing yeah you know there's some old shell casing scattered around here maybe some coins <laughs> absolutely well, we've talked in circles a lot this morning about a lot of good things. Brandon, I guess it's time for us to uh, kind of head back to civilization, unfortunately, until we can get together again in about another couple, three weeks. And uh, by then, maybe these old whitetail bucks will start feeling their oats a little bit. And we did try to rattle a couple of times, but it was really, really early as far as I'm concerned. And really have not seen a whole lot in terms of scrapes. And what bucks we've seen have been very, very tolerant of each other. And we've seen bachelor herds. So I think it's a little bit early. Uh, they'll start making scrapes here probably in another couple of weeks. And uh, when they do, I may try to slip back in here and start using some of uh, TRHP Outdoors has uh, set up some things to uh, maybe set up some, uh, some scrapes and all those other kind of things around some of these blinds. But I guess for the most part, we better kick some dirt on the campfire for right now and just invite everybody to join us back here next week. And in case they want to get in touch with H3 Whitetail Solutions, which includes a lot of things. Ladies and gentlemen, we do whitetail work and habitat work. But we work with all kinds of other different species of big game and and small game and non-game as well, too. And uh, so how can they get in touch with us if they want to have a question or, or any kind of advice that we might be able to give? Well, you can email us um, at growem at h3whitetailsolutions.com. Uh, we're all over Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also get on our website h3whitetailsolutions.com and and uh, you can submit something through there and, and you know either Larry or myself will get back with you absolutely um, we're more than happy to talk and, and we're, we're not necessarily the type of company who charges for every single thing you know nope. if you want to call and ask us a question we're always happy to talk deer we're always happy to talk habitat we're always happy to talk biology you know we're always happy to talk about anything that, that helps you achieve a goal um, 
but mostly we love talking deer. <laughs> we love talking deer, and we love writing about deer, too. Yeah. With me, sometimes, give them that email address again and spell it out for them, because a lot of times my schedule is such where I am gone somewhere, and there's not really any good cell service, but occasionally there's internet service. So if, if somebody submits something in terms of an email or, or, or question that way, a lot of times there's a better chance of me being able to get back to them yep. than to actually sit down and call because yep. of my ridiculous schedule Absolutely. that I carry. So how is the best way to submit a question or, or even a comment? You know? Well, if you want to, if you want to email, um, like I said, Grome, G-R-O-W-E-M at H3 Whitetail Solutions with an S dot com. You can also send a message to us um, on Facebook or Instagram. Both of them are H3 Whitetail Solutions. Um, we, we try to get back to everybody as quickly as we possibly can. Or a lot of people, what they do is they go on our website and there is a contact us tab. And if you uh, write a question, put an inquiry through the website, that will also automatically forward to the grow them at h3whitetailsolutions.com. And what happens is, is when you ask a question or you make a comment about anything, if it's specifically for Larry, then it gets sent to Larry. And if it's specifically for me, it gets sent to me. And then sometimes there's questions that come in that I'll answer and then I'll talk to Larry and then we'll, we'll, we'll submit an answer together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so you you can get one of us, both of us or all the above. (laughs) (laughs) And we try to get back to everybody as, as quickly as we possibly can. This time of year, we're on the road a lot. We're moving, but um, we, we still don't want to change things and we still want to get, get to you and give urgency to you as well. Absolutely. And too, Brandon does all my social media work as well too. So you can go on to Facebook and look up Larry Wysoon and send something there and he'll yep. get it. Yep. He'll get it and send it to me there as well too. And, and you, your reply may come to you from uh, from H3 rather than from the Facebook there with that particular Facebook. But uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to visit with you. If, if you got a hunting story you'd like to tell, we'd love to listen to hunting stories as well too. And, and uh, yeah, But again, if you have any kind of questions or even with the podcast, if you have questions that you can get that's growing at, at H3 Whitetail Solutions is also an excellent source to because uh, Brandon is really good about sending me stuff going hey here do this <laughs> which I appreciate and, and I assure you that if anybody messages you know on the Larry the Larry Wysoon Facebook page it's not me responding I, I don't do that that is always Larry's response Nine times out of ten, if he if it's something of urgency, I'll respond and I, but I'll I'll make sure you know it's me. Oh, absolutely. And then I'll say, hey, Larry, you need to you need to get get in your phone and, and respond to this. And, and so when you get that response, it's it's actually Larry. It's not it's not some PR person. It's not some marketing <laughs> person or some manager. It's it's actually him and and it's actually me. And so we make sure that you know that. But send photos, send send us pictures of this year, and, and absolutely let us know how things are going. We like to hear from everybody. Brandon, like I said, I think we're about to throw some fire, throw some fire, throw some dirt on the fire and make sure the campfire is doused out. And we got a couple more things we got to do. And then we probably got to get back on the road sometime today, unfortunately, or tomorrow or the next day or sometime here in the next few days. We've got some wives that want to see us, I'm sure. Well, yeah, and I've I've actually got an article I got to go write for uh, DSC Game Trails where I 
do for the convention this year. And that said, we expect to see everybody that can be there at the DSC convention this year, again at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center there in January. We'll give you the dates a little bit later on. but. Uh, great place to come by and visit with both Brandon and me in person and and, uh, and it's just the finest outdoor family oriented outdoor hunting show convention there ever has been or ever will be so uh, if you want to learn more about that you can go to DSC uh, as far as the foundation is concerned you can go to DSC uh, or dscf.org or if you're interested in anything having to do with dsc you can go to bigame.org that's biggame.org and that's for dsc and i think brandon and i do a lot there as well too so that's another way to get in touch with us but everybody join us around the campfire right back here next week at this time and and we'll have dave fox introduce what's going on and and uh, look forward to catching up with you y'all have a great week thank y'all Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by The Crown Bar in LaGrange, Texas, H3 Whitetail Solutions, Remington, Texas Wildlife Association, TRHP Outdoors, 